0: Joining us now from somewhere—I don't know where he is. He's on his cell phone in a parking lot somewhere. Al Bat, good morning, Al.
1: Hey, good morning, Karen. I have heard of the Beatles. So you that have. Was good to
0: hear their music. <laughs> yeah, yeah they—they.
1: They, I think they did all right as far as the same yeah. group From what I've heard, I am in beautiful Spring Valley, and ah. what a lovely day! There's a little red squirrel here, right? by me with a bunch of starlings and uh, the starlings are ignoring me but the red squirrel is giving me kind of a, <laughs> an eye because he probably has a midden here and that's where they store their food and this oh. tiny little squirrel have, uh nuts and uh, mushrooms and all these kind of things in this big pile of food and that is his pantry and they are very protective of it I'm sure if I walked one direction or another here <laughs> I would get uh, scolded severely by this tiny little squirrel cuz he uh, I don't know if he perceives me as a predator so much as somebody that might swipe his food <laughs> which which I might do you know it just depends what he's got in there I don't know Well you're at a grocery I, uh, store you can apartment.
0: go in if you have any money you can go in the grocery store and probably get your own now <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's the problem. That whole money thing. I yeah. don't know how that. No, it's. <laughs> I'm in Sunshine Foods uh, parking oh. lot here, okay. and it's. Uh, I went in because I'm going to park here and talk. So I, I feel an obligation. So I went in and got some fruit thing, <laughs> and was waited on by the most pleasant of cashiers on this earth. I think she was just so nice. And I so I asked her if she'd be willing to carry my purchases out to the car, and she said she would be. So I was, I was just teasing, but it was so nice out. Oh. She said I'd love to do it. <laughs> and, uh, I had to turn her down. Uh, I feel guilty about that, but Aww. she was just very, very nice. So it's, uh, it it's spring. We got all that snow, which yeah. was kind of crushing because we uh, each year we just you well. Know, we think we're done with it. It's it's me, I take off that jacket, and I, I wanna be on spring side, so I'm not putting that jacket or that coat back on, so I I haven't. So I'm out there in that cold weather and sloshing around in the snow. We got quite a bit, uh, not as much as a lot of places did, uh, by reading the newspaper, but it was uh, Mike Malepsy, who is uh, a barber in Albert Lee. And I sit in his chair on occasion and uh, and learn things, because you always do in a barbershop chair. The ice went out on Fountain Lake in Albert Lee on April 11th. And you think, well, is that kind of average was it. Well, the earliest day ever was March 7th of 2000. Whoa. The latest was April 27th. Uh, and that was in 1951 and again in 2018. And ice out dates have been kept on Fountain Lake since 19. 19- Twelve, I believe Mr. Murtaugh started it. Uh, Mark's dad, Bill, did it for a number of years. Uh, Lake Osakis near Alexandria began keeping dates in 1867, ice out dates. And Lake Minnetonka, the one we hear about a lot with their ice out, they started in 1870, but they haven't been consistent till 1887. But it's, it always looks Forward to hearing from Mark every year when the ice he drives around and he had, there's certain rules and the ice has to be completely gone here and there, so it was it's uh it's good to have it gone, I guess. Uh, it was um uh, probably ice fishermen would like it there all year so they could sit on that ice and fish. It's uh apparently it's an addictive hobby, ice fishing, because uh, folks just they love getting out there. I, I I knew a banker, and every day when he get off work, he'd have a five gallon pail and he'd walk down to the lake and fish for an hour before he before he went home. So
0: I, I was know. out at the lake uh, Lake Washington last night, and you know, last year after two years of drought, it was so low. I mean, our dock just got so high because the water just kept going lower and lower, and there was actually sand. Uh, on the beach, which you never, ever, ever have because it's riprap up to the shore. But I noticed that the levels look back to about where they should be now. So I think the snow melt and everything has uh, filled up the the lakes again, and I'm hoping that this year will be a decent one for enough moisture.
1: That's uh, that's good to hear. I... I read in the Mankato paper where the uh, folks sent in the questions and was interested. They were doing Wasika about how much snow, uh, big years and everything, and it's, it was really interesting. It was in yesterday's paper about how much snow we've gotten some years and how little we've gotten other years. It's just dramatic uh, changes. Uh, Cindy Drill said the Junkles left her yard as of April 12th and she saw our first chipping sparrow. Uh, Vicky LaRune said, My big question is about the abundance of house sparrows that decimate my feeders within the day of <laughs> filling them. There's a flock that moves across the backyards in the neighborhood all day long. Most live in eaves and open gutters nearby. I went to all black oil sunflower seeds, and it ends up on the ground. We've even tried feeding a blend On the far corners of our yard outside of the fences, they've even adapted to hanging onto the suet feeders. Amazing, (laughs) hungry little acrobats. At least the cardinals and the juncos don't seem to mind the seed on the ground, but the nuthatches, woodpeckers, and chickadees prefer the feeders full. I think I heard you suggest a while back to use striped sunflower seeds as sparrows can't crack those shells on our walk around Indian Lake, tom-spotted bluebills, teal, mallards, buffleheads, put in mergansers and Canada geese on the water, herring gulls on the ice and in the water, and a red-tailed hawk soaring overhead. I have had pretty good luck with the striped sunflower seeds. They're bigger and they're harder for house sparrows to crack. Uh, i'm afraid they might still kick them on the ground but uh, the ones in my yard seem to just ignore those now there is a thing called i want to say a halo and i see them advertised and i have to put the caveat here that i have never used one of these halos and i've seen people making them they'll take like a uh, Oh, uh, a squirrel baffle, one of those plastic Mm -hmm. squirrel baffles that look like something we used to slide down the hill in (laughs) and one of those discs. And then they will hang four wires or cords a bit longer than the feeder from that magic halo. And then you use uh, a washer or a nut or something to weigh down those cords or wires so they just don't whip around. And people, I've talked to a lot of folks who have told me that the, the house sparrows do not like that. They they won't go near it. They just uh, don't like it. One guy told me, he said, you can't do it when the young sparrows are hatching. Because he said, then the young sparrows don't know they can't go into the, that magic halo and they will do it.
0: Oh. <laughs> so I guess
1: it works except if the house sparrows haven't been trained to avoid it. So you have to avoid those young ones. But I've seen them, uh, I've never used them. I've seen them on bluebird houses as well as feeders. And uh, I think most of the people I've talked to and I'm having trouble thinking of anybody that said that's a bunch of hooey, it doesn't work at all. And one of these days I'm fixing to give that a try just to see if it works. I I wouldn't use fishing line, and the reason I wouldn't use fishing line <laughs> is I see it uh, a lot of it tangled around other birds, and it probably mm-hmm. wouldn't happen in this case. But I just want to avoid fishing lines because of that. So, Vicky, I hope uh, something there works for you. Uh, right. Micah sent me some pictures of the first toad he'd seen this year. I love toads. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Of course, frogs are calling everywhere I go now. It's just really neat to see that. And folks, I know I have a lot more people that have asked uh, things, and I won't have them all on here because I've been traveling. and you you just... You know, I don't have a good excuse. You get behind and you don't do the things you should do. But I will get to them sooner or later. I did get one from somebody said when I was a kid, we had things called thousand leggers. L-E-G-G-E-R. Thousand leggers. What were they? And we had them when I was a kid, too. We'd go down the basement and then they would run everywhere. They were thousand leggers. And those are millipedes. They have this elongated cylindrical bodies. They have 25-plus pairs of short legs, two pairs of legs per body segment. And the legs are held beneath a light brown to black body, and they appear to ripple in waves as the insect moves. And they feed on decaying vegetable matter. Millipedes do a mini-migration when it's too hot, too cold, too wet, or too dry. There's a local uh, uh, adult uh, housing, senior citizen housing, and, oh, I know, I suppose four or five different years, they've called me down to watch the parade of thousand-leggers oh. just moving all around.
0: <laughs> so, Depes,
1: Al? On the other hand, oh. we have them in our basement. As a kid, we called them hundred-leggers. Oh. I don't know that we ever counted the legs. <laughs> But we were pretty sharp, and we'd figured out centipedes didn't have as many legs as millipedes. So centipedes have these elongated, flattened bodies, and they have fewer than 25 pairs of long legs. And they project laterally from the body. And just behind the head are jaws that contain venom glands that they use to paralyze insects and spiders and centipedes are beneficial because they control some insect populations.
0: Now, are those the things I'm finding uh, in my... How many Al- times? Yeah. Are those the things I'm seeing in my garden? Because when I, sometimes when I dig, I'll see these little... They're sort of a brownish, rusty-colored little skinny thing, with, and they go really, really fast, but they've got like a million legs or a whole bunch of legs. Are those millipedes or centipedes, or what am I seeing in my soil? I,
1: I, the, the millipedes look like they're... L- Legs like their bodies waving when they go.
0: But are they um, kind of? All are they kind of like? They're kind of a, a rusty brownishy, yellowishy color, sort of that I'm that I'm talking about in the garden.
1: This probably sounds a little more like centipedes, and centipedes look like some prehistoric monster that oh, you okay. see something in. Uh, uh, an HBO special. But they're not
0: harmful those. in any way, are they? I mean, they won't. They're they don't really hurt anything. No,
1: they they do have some venom, but they use it on spiders. Oh, okay. Things like that, they look like they could damage somebody, but they're they're pretty cool things. I like seeing them. And we, you know, we live in an old farmhouse, so we get millipedes and centipedes in the basement because you just can't keep them out. And I keep hoping they will get some of the multicolored Asian lady beetles in there, but they seem to ignore those. Although a cat finds just great joy in batting those little guys around. So, what about those uh, things in the basement
0: uh, we, that you call silverfish? They're they're like a little wider things, and they're they if you hit them, they they pretty much disappear. Do you know those things I'm talking about?
1: I do, and we have silverfish, and then uh, we also get the pill bugs. Yeah. Called the little ones that roll up in a ball, mm-hmm. like little mini armadillos, and the um, the millipedes will also curl up. Okay. If they uh, if they're threatened, so boy, there's a whole lot of things going on in uh, <laughs> in uh, I wouldn't say the average basement, but in a lot of basements. Yeah there's a lot of things going in there because, you know, even in a new house there seems to be cracks. It's hard to keep everything shut so nothing can get in there. In an old house, you just have all kinds of settling and age issues. So, boy, it's just uh, it's like putting out a welcome mat for a lot of a lot of critters and they come in there and They they do me no harm. Uh, our cat, we have this kitten. It's, I don't know when you stop being a kitten and become a cat, but she is just taken with spiders and lady beetles and moths. She just thinks those three things are like the the greatest toys on earth. So she is it just it keeps her occupied and I'm pretty happy with that.
0: Say Al, I uh, wanted to share from can... I wanted to share from Jeff in Janesville before I Before I forget, he's got a bunch of things that he's observed. He says he's been seeing lots of new birds at his feeder. Cardinals, the little sparrow-sized birds that look like they were dipped in raspberry jam. That was one of your descriptions of a bird I saw last winter but couldn't remember what the name was. And also several robins, grackles, blackbirds, another sparrow-sized bird with a bright chest and a little of the same color on the head, kind of a crimson color, morning doves, and a lot more of the neighborhood squirrel population. I only had two squirrels last winter, but apparently the word has got out. And he said, also I've seen great gray herons, mallard ducks, and a male and female uh, wood ducks, the resident Canadian female goose, but no pelts, pelts yet. Uh, Jeff in Janesville, he said the last text was the birds he saw at Lake Elysian just outside Janesville. So there you go, a whole bunch of things oh. to, that he's seen.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. I, I love going over to Lake Elysian and wandering around, and we used to play softball out at Sportsman's Park, and it was just a t- treat to be there. The The little red sparrow-like, birds. We get two of them. The one that you're probably seeing are house finches, and they can be anywhere from a a reddish to an orangish to almost yellowish color sometimes. They are the ones that nest here. They're the ones that nest in uh, window baskets or uh, window boxes, uh, hanging baskets or window boxes. We do get purple finches that come through, and they do look like they've been dipped in raspberry or cranberry juice or maybe a wine or something. So they have a a, a different color. But uh, we get both of them here. Purple finches do not nest here in southern Minnesota that we know of anyway. The house finches certainly do. We have a lot of them. And, and thank you, Jeff. Great to hear from you heard from somebody here uh, they have no name well I'm sure they have a name They just (laughs) chose not I could give their email address but I'm not going to do that how many times can a skunk spray well how many do you need I guess would be the question uh you think if you're a skunk so you can you can't run over 10 miles an hour probably so you're not going to outrun predators so you, what do you do? You spray instead. And skunks give us warning. Again, I've been sprayed a lot, and all I can say about that is I, I know, I know. Uh, skunks <laughs> warn perceived predators. They stomp their feet. That's the first thing I notice. Then they can click their teeth. And then they raise their tails, and we don't see uh, spotted skunks here much anymore, but they would do kind of a handstand, (laughs) and they hold their ground, and if that doesn't scare you away, then they'll run at you. They won't run right up to you, but they appear to be running up to you. Like yesterday, my wife and I were at Arrowhead County Park near Freeborn, Minnesota, on the shores of Freeborn Lake. And they're Canada geese pair there. And the, the female, she kind of heads up the hill of the field when she sees us because she doesn't know what we're up to. But the gander, he puts a kink in his neck and lowers his body and just takes off right after us until we don't go anywhere. Then he stops and just goes, well, I hope that teaches you a lesson then when we moved, he'd take off right after us again. And that's a skunk. We'll do that a little bit till we kind of get out of there. Uh, Skunks can spray when they're about a month old. So they come into their perfume pretty early. And skunk spray can be smelled uh, they've done tests a mile and a half away
0: oh my goodness So when we go
1: outside in the morning and we smell a skunk that could be a skunk quite a ways away how many times can they spray five or six times before needing to replenish so they're like a squirt gun one of those super squirters thing five six times and then it takes them eight to ten days to refill.
0: Oh, my. So if
1: you know, uh, if you counted a skunk five, six times, you can probably get right up close to it. Of course, you'll be smelling too terrible by that time to really care if they don't have any more. Skunks aren't thought of as being vocal other than Flower and Bambi or Pepe Le Pew in the cartoons, but they can squeal, chirp, whimper, whine, grunt. They can smack their lips. And if you get sprayed, if you're uh, like I was growing up, they have dumped me into May's tomato <laughs> juice. And I have to tell everybody, tomato <laughs> juice isn't an effective no. way to get rid of skunk stench. No way. And it, no, all it does is mask the smell for a little while. Uh, the best thing you can do, the best thing i found with dogs and things, you mix a quarter cup of baking soda into a quart of 3% hydrogen peroxide and then add one or two teaspoons of liquid dish detergent. I don't know that it matters the variety. Uh, keep out of eyes of anything, you know, whether it's your eyes or your dog's eyes. And it's not a good idea to store. It doesn't store well. so uh, it's,
0: uh, Does it, it actually does work, work, work the first time or do you have to do several versions of... of- being in that, you know, mixture.
1: Yeah, we I'd mix up the uh, that quart of that and then put it on a dog, and you wash it all off, and you still got some left over. So I'd kind of use it because I can't store it, so I just keep using it till I got the whole all used up, and by then the dog smelled pretty good. I, I think I I've, had. A,
0: I was gonna say I think I told you this story before when our dog, little dog, and my my parents got sprayed by a skunk and. I, I think it's tomato juice. They said, but but I remember we didn't have tomato juice, so I put tomato soup, a whole bunch of tomato soup in the tub. It plugged it it didn't, but did b- number on the drain. Let's just say it was not a good. It was not a good oh. thing. <laughs> and,
1: you needed crackers. You got to have yeah, crackers and right. Tomato soup, and that the dog just smelled like
0: tomato soup then, <laughs> and skunk.
1: Well, I had a dog named Rex, and she was a uh, a uh, Heinz fifty seven. And she had long hair, and she would, she just, I don't know what it was about her. She was smart, but with skunks, she just felt the need to go over and mess with them. (laughs) And with her, I would, oh, you know, just scrub her up good with all this stuff. And she smelled great, but she had that long fur, and it seemed like she got wet it would uh, revisit a little bit. It would be more subdued, but you could smell like there was a skunk a mile and a half away. And it was, that, and it was just hard to get it out of that long fur. So, And and I think she enjoyed smelling a bit like a skunk because it didn't seem to bother her as much as it should.
0: Maybe she was antisocial and that was a way for her to keep, you know, others away that she didn't want to associate with just by having that smell. Because, you know, you tend to stay away from that. So just saying.
1: But you know wet dogs, oh, they want to be on everybody's lap or right up by them when they smell. They might be antisocial when they don't smell, but when they smell <laughs> like a wet dog or a skunky dog, then they're everybody's buddy that's and say, how are you? Yeah. We, uh, we've we talked some about the, uh, the bald eagle nest going down, the DNR yeah. cam. Someone asked, how long does it take bald eagles to build a nest? From one to three months. Oh. So if those two decide to build another nest, they have quite an undertaking yet. And, of course, a pair uses it year after year, and they add sticks, and they make repairs. There is, uh, if you're jonesing to see some uh, young eagles, if you go to the Decorah Eagles, it's on explore.org. But I think if you just do decora Eagles, Cam, mm-hmm. probably it'll show. And the last time I checked, they had two babies there. Oh. So they're doing well. There's also a neat, uh, there's a, I better say probable nesting Sandhill Cranes near Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And that's uh, if you go to Crane Nest Camera or ColoradoCranes.org, it, sooner or later you'll get there. And the reason I say probable is because I've been out in steamboat. I know where the nest is, and it's it's a pretty cool thing. But there was so much snow that you wouldn't be able to see a nest or anything if there was one there. But the cranes were around, so I'm hoping it'll show up on the camera. Maybe it has by today, but it's it's a pretty neat thing to see. I love sandhill cranes. And again, that's from Steamboat Springs, Colorado, where they have this wonderful organization called Colorado Cranes. And they do a lot of good, and they're the ones that put up this, this bird cam.
0: So, Al, did you see today's uh, the front of yeah. today's Free Press? They had a picture of uh, cranes taken by Tim Crone. Uh, um, he said, the picture on the front, it's actually on the front page of the Free Press. It says, a male sandhill crane fluffs his wings, shakes his tail feathers while a female feeds nearby in a field near a German lake. Cranes mating habits include loud calls to one another with the male jumping, flapping, flaring feathers, and tossing twigs or other things in the air to gain attention. Then there's another picture with two Sandhill Cranes, it says they feed in a field near German Lake. Cranes eat frogs, small mammals, insects, snakes, and small grains. They are among the state's largest birds, standing at 5 feet tall, and have a wingspan of nearly 7 feet, meaning few predators attempt to take them on. They were long long rarely seen in Minnesota, but their numbers have rebounded, and they are found across much of the state. So if you get a chance, there's a nice picture on the front of the free press. And, you know, I think I would probably confuse a, a sandhill crane with maybe a uh, heron or something else, because they are kind of big.
1: They are. When they fly, they have a little flip to the tip of their wings. Oh. It's pretty diagnostic. Um, Gail and I saw one at Arrowhead Park yesterday, and I know Tim's really a noted, uh, excellent dancer. If he wasn't, if he danced like <laughs> I do, he would... <laughs> Realize that when those cranes are doing, they're dancing is what they're doing. Oh, it's just yeah. A lot of us that dance, we dance to our own music and our own beat that nobody <laughs> else can hear, and that's kind of what cranes doing. Again, Tim, being a, a great dancer, would not know that, but that's <laughs> nice to, to to write about and have a photo. They are beautiful birds. Uh, I love seeing them. There's just something about them.
0: I. Uh, the I'm,
1: last one I have. Oh, I've got one more after
0: yeah. your last one, okay? <laughs>
1: okay. All right. I saw a cardinal this winter with no tail. with a grow back? You know, the cardinal might have avoided capture, had its tail frozen to a perch or been, maybe it was caught in something, you know, the V of a tree. But they have something called a fright molt, and that's all, that's when all the tail feathers are simultaneously ejected from their follicles in an escape. And uh, I, I've, I know guys that have had a bright <laughs> molt uh, and all their hair ejected from their follicles, and it, it doesn't come back usually. But a cardinal's in better shape. When, he, when a cardinal has this ejection of feathers, it leaves a predator with a mouth or maybe a talon full of feathers or a puff of feathers behind And the tails grow back quickly, unless if the feather is broken, it remains broken until the next bolt. But if a feather is pulled out at the root, regrowth starts pretty much immediately.
0: Hmm.
1: And tailless birds, they can survive this slight advantage. They they have a cold rear end for a (laughs) while, but uh, they'll probably do all right.
0: All right, and I've got a text from our friend Gail, just out of Mankato. She says, we live in a woodsy area with a lot of low areas, and we are wondering if it would be okay to put oil on the surface of the low-lying water to prevent mosquitoes. She was thinking vegetable oil in small quantities. Thanks. Gail.
1: And, Gail, that's a really good question for which I do not have an answer. Uh, but I will certainly do some checking on it. I don't know about vegetable oil. I know I've talked to people that have put it in um, Oh, the, the barrels around the house that catches a runoff from the roof, the rain barrels, and I have not talked to them oh, okay. uh, other than I know they're doing it. So, Gail, I apologize, but I will find out. I will... Uh, Talk to somebody smarter than I am, which is pretty much anybody on the street here. (laughs) So we'll find out about that and let you know next week. So I appreciate you, Gail, and I'm sorry that I can't give you an answer. Hey, uh, thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch with me. We're actually sitting here at uh, the uh, parking lot of a supermarket. You know, Easter ended in an R again this year. Happens every year. I was having a busy day one It was a day put in a blender, as are all days. And I recalled a day that was in a blender when I led a tour to Alaska when the day's blender went berserk. It was uh, a large group that I had in my charge, and over 50 bags of theirs and my bag didn't arrive at the Anchorage airport. And you know how some I mean, of you, most if you travel, you probably lost a bag. So we kept hopeful eyes on a baggage carousel that presented a few bags right away. There's always a bunch come out, and then it went empty. There was nothing to see there. Missing bags weren't restricted to our group, but our bunch really took it well. There were expressions of disappointment, like "oh," but no outrage fellow travelers people we didn't know were incensed why because everyone acts important at an airport and they find it easy to forget that most of the people in the world weren't them they were certain their days had been ruined and had decided to remedy that by ruining the day of another a lone young woman staffing the customer service desk she was polite and kind though overwhelmed she did the best she could It turned out that a couple of carts were forgotten at the departure airport. Things get misplaced. They would arrive in Anchorage on an early, early, early morning flight. So a bus took our group to a lovely hotel and I helped the airport folks wait for the rescue plane and loaded the bags into a large van to take to the hotel where we placed the correct bags outside the proper doors. A day late, but not a duffel short. The next day featured an exhausted but happy me loading the bottom of the bus with bags as we moved on. I was a baggage handler. That ended with an R, too. (laughs) Remember, folks, Heartland as well. we're driving past. Thanks for listening to me. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, as always, I enjoyed your company, and I hope you have just the greatest day ever.
0: Thanks, El. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.